God will do when you begin to lift him up and glorify his name. Amen. He will meet you in any place. Amen. What an awesome time for us to be able to come together. Amen. In his presence. God is good. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, tonight we are continuing our series. Last week we had Missionary Rivera with us. It was a great, great service. If you missed it, uh, definitely go back and re-watch it. Uh, on the live stream archive. You won't want to miss that. It was good, powerful. Um, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know why you would ever want to miss a church service. Like, I really don't know why you'd ever want to miss a church because so much can happen in just a few minutes in a church service that you could spend weeks trying to figure out outside of a church service. Amen. So I'm so thankful. Amen. God is answering prayers. God is uh, moving us forward, and we're thankful for what he is doing. We're going to continue our series about lessons from the king tonight. We're going to talk out of the book of Proverbs. We'll start with chapter 11 and verse number 3, and uh, you do have fill in the blanks. You can follow along that way, uh, and they will make sure that they get those to you. Uh, We have a lot of people Busy tonight, we, we are going to be, we're working on trying to get more people trained to do our sound and uh, to help run our audio and video and uh, visuals, and uh, so we are thankful for that, because as much as we like to just, well, we're just going to have church, well, that's good, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do to make uh, our experience of, of having church a lot better for everybody, not just who attends, but everybody who watches online. And uh, it, is a, it is an ongoing thing. We, we've got to realize uh, we're reaching to more than just the people that are here. We're even reaching to the people that will be here, the people that will be watching uh, down the road. You know, somebody may watch this tonight, and they may decide three weeks from now, you know what, that's a church I want to check out. Um, so every time that we come together is an opportunity for us to feel the presence of God, to be in His glory, and uh, also to respond to that and give other people a chance to feel what we feel here. Amen? Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 3, the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. The integrity, everybody say the integrity. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Now, The lesson that we're going to talk about tonight is very simple. The lesson from the king that we will learn is to live a life of integrity. Live a life of integrity. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 7. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. And uh, we'll talk about this tonight. And then Proverbs 19 and verse 1. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Now, I saw a a title from Brother Huntley. He preached at uh, Capital Community Church recently, and I think the title was, It's Better to Be Poor uh, and On Fire for God or Poor and and, uh, Right with God than it would be to be rich and be miserable. Uh, You could, or no, he said, Better, ah, man, I, I just totally butchered that. Better to be. What do you say, right with God and miserable than, I don't know, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up and share that with you. I don't know why that just came to my mind. I know what I mean to say. All right, so what are you willing to do? Everybody look at your neighbor and say, what are you willing to do for $10 million? 
What are you willing to do for $10 million? All right. Here's the deal. In a book that was published in 1991, this is a little old, but uh, I will say the, the results are probably worse now if they were to ask this question. But two-thirds of Americans polled would agree to at least one, several, uh, some of them would do several of the following. But this is what they said they were willing to do for $10 million. Would abandon their entire family for $10 million. Uh, they would abandon their church. $10 million. Um, this, is, this one's kind of startling. Would become prostitutes for a week or more. They would give up their American citizenships. They would leave their spouses. They would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. They would kill a stranger. Now granted, there was only 7% that said that. Look around. There might be one here tonight. And this one, this really kind of struck me weird is would they would put their children up for adoption. Ten million dollars. Wow. Some of you are like, yes, yes, would do that. One man's character, and the way that we can look at this is uh, when we're talking about integrity, a man's character is the outward expression of his internal values. Whatever, whatever behavior you see, um, you know, I used to say it like this, whatever is on the inside is going to come out. Of all the character traits found in the Word of God, integrity is the most valuable. And some people say, well, you know, what's up with that? It's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and lost. That's what Brother Huntley preached not too long ago. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate you. You're not leaving me hanging. You're hooking me up. All right, so... Of all the character traits found in the Word of God, integrity is the most valuable. Now, here's why integrity is the most valuable. Because of all the other good character traits that there are, those are all dependent upon integrity to be of any value. If a man is faithful but he lacks integrity, eventually his faithfulness will fail. If a man is honest but he lacks integrity, his honesty will turn into dishonesty at some point. If a man is truthful but he lacks integrity, someday his truthfulness turns into lies. If a man uh, possesses, uh, professes to be ethical and, and he says, I'm an ethical person, but yet he lacks integrity, eventually that day will come when his ethics will become situational. So to live the life that, that is really pleasing to God and ultimately successful, we must have integrity. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 7 it says this, the just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. The just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. You know, just think about it. Um, don't you want your children to be blessed? Don't you want your children to have uh, a good reputation? I, I think a lot of what has to do, you know, one of the things that motivates me is I want my kids to be well thought of after I'm gone. Amen? So integrity is, has got to be important to us. What is integrity? What is integrity? Webster's Dictionary defines integrity as unimpaired condition, 
the quality or state of being complete or undivided. Our scripture foundation for this today is basically gives us an insight into what integrity really is. The Hebrew word comes from the word meaning completeness, moral innocence, perfection, simplicity, uprightness at a venture. Man, Joe and Lisa, you guys, you guys are on the same wavelength. Nice. From this definition, we understand, we understand what this is talking about, that every venture we undertake must be done with integrity. We, we can't do something and not have integrity because then, like, all of the life that we have lived, all the reputation that we've built so far, it just crashes. So that integrity determines the outcome of the venture. This is the same word used in its plural form when it refers to a part of the wardrobe of the high priest. One or more of the, you know, we, we talk about these different parts and the wardrobe that the high priest had to have. One of the parts that the high priest had to wear, it was his breastplate. It was called the uh, tumium. And some people are like, yeah, I, I don't know what that's called. Anybody ever heard of the thumbin? Okay, a couple of you have heard of the thumbin. Uh, those of you that don't know, the thumbin uh, is basically uh, the, the breastplate or the part of uh, the, the, the wardrobe that the high priest had to wear. And when it's properly translated, the thumbin was, it was supposed to be the emblem of complete truth. Okay? So the high priest had to walk in complete truth, which is integrity. It was through the Urim and the Thummim that the will of God was revealed to Israel. In our lives, if we really want to know the will of God, then we must also walk with integrity. We cannot know what God will have for our lives. We cannot continue to move forward in righteousness if we don't walk in integrity. So let's kind of compare this. Let's kind of put this into context. Uh, the breastplate of integrity or righteousness, just as the high priest was clothed to do service for God, so are we clothed, right? Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. Ephesians 6 Verses 13 through 17, that's your fill in the blank. This is what it says. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So let's look at the whole armor, and let's, let's go through this quickly and, and see, and we'll ascertain that the breastplate is the most critical piece of the armor that we wear. The helmet, the shield, the sword, the shoes, the girdle, they're all important, but fighting without integrity can and will lead to failure. All right, so let's talk about it. First of all, the girdle of truth. The girdle of truth. We must possess the truth. We must possess it. The scripture says, buy the truth and do not sell it. We pass the truth on from one generation to the next generation. It must be protected so that it is not damaged in the process. Some people wonder why, you know, we do things the way that we do them or why we take 
certain care, we have certain importance on certain things, it's because we're trying to be careful not to damage the truth. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can look at. There's a lot of things that we have to be careful of um, because we're, what we have, what we've been entrusted with is very precious. Number two, the, go- the shoes of the gospel of peace. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of peace. It's not a, it's not a violent gospel. You know, when, when he could have just spoke the word and his angels would have come and just slaughtered them all, instead of trying to get revenge on them, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he, he takes the nails and uh, he's crucified. No, no, other, no other king in history has ever... Uh, humbled himself in this way. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of peace. And, and it's what the Romans were afraid of because uh, they, were, they didn't understand it. By having our feet shod with it, it means that the gospel goes everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, we should walk in peace with those around us. That's why the gospel is not supposed to be, we're not supposed to be contentious with the gospel. It's not, it's not an in-your-face thing, you know. It's not one of those things that you have to, uh, you know, basically use to beat people up with. It's hope. It's love. It's peace. It, it, it's awesome. And, and we really, if we treat it with that kind of respect and that kind of regard, the shoes of the gospel of peace will walk with peace in people around us. Number three, the shield of faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We've got to have the shield of faith. Faith has a purpose. Everybody say, faith has a purpose. This is what Hebrews 11, or Ephesians 6.16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. If you don't have faith, um, I was reading something today about, about faith, and faith is powerful. If we could ever get a hold of faith in our lives, it, has the, it really has the power to transform us. If we can, if we can switch over from fear into faith, we, our lives are going to be different. Amen. Because the Scripture says we take the shield of faith, and we can, with that we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So number four is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Without a helmet, the head is left unprotected. The head is the seat of knowledge and authority. Our knowledge of salvation is what provides and protects our spiritual authority. You know, a lot of times when you ask somebody, what what do you think it takes to have eternal life? They're going to give you all kinds of answers. What, is it, what does it mean to be saved? You've got some church denominations that are still wrestling with this. So when we know what it takes to be saved, we, we understand the process of salvation. And yes, that once we are saved, that doesn't mean we're always saved. But once we're saved, we understand that process, that we repent of our sins and we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and we receive His gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and we start on this process of sanctification and becoming like Him. And knowing that, understanding that, that protects us 
from losing our spiritual authority. That protects us from being tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Without this protection and assurance, we are prey to false teaching and deceptive guidance. Have you ever seen people, I've heard of people, and some of you know this, they'll tell you, I've gotten saved in like 20 churches. Well, that basically comes from a, a lack of understanding. Because you don't get saved by that church. It doesn't matter what I say or, or, or what somebody down the road is going to say. What matters is what does this book say? What does the Bible say? Because men are going to say things and uh, religious organizations are going to come up with things. But really, ultimately, when it comes down to it, you're not going to be judged by that. You're going to be judged by this. So that's why we have to make sure we understand. We need, number five, the sword of the Spirit. Many of the elements of the Christian armor are defensive or protective in nature. But it's not so with the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is a weapon of warfare. Now let me just, I could go on like most of the night about this, because if there's anything that I feel like probably is my candy stick more than anything else in in ministry right now is the reason why we have so many spiritually anemic Christians is because we have so many Christians who never read, study, meditate, or follow the Word of God. Going to church is just a social event. Going to church is just something that is, uh, for most people, socially acceptable. But that's not what the Bible is supposed to be for. It is a weapon of warfare. God did not just intend for us to live in a defensive posture, but to aggressively counter the enemy. How do we do that? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is our best weapon of offense. Now, somebody asked me the other day, they said, how do you use the sword of the Spirit? How can you use the sword of the Spirit? You can't swing it. I mean, you know, what do you, if you swing it and hit somebody, that, that's... I said, no, no, it, it's, it's a sword because it cuts right through the, 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 the soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I said, so when we use the sword of the Spirit, not only does it help us to see ourselves because it's a mirror, but, but it helps us to uh, apply those things that we learn that are important in the Word of God to our lives. And then how we use it as a sword is every time the enemy comes after us with something, we have promises, we have uh, dis- uh, instructions, we have uh, phrases, we have uh, stories and principles from the Word of God that are not supposed to be, oh, well, those are nice, those are good, we'll just kind of keep that, you know, in check. No, we're supposed to actually take that out and apply that in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, uh, with people that we're trying to reach. Do You know, there's a lot of people that they, they don't really understand how to use the Word of God. And because they won't apply it to their life, Uh, You know, when you start applying the Word of God to your life, things are going to change. Amen. And and you start standing on the promises of God when you're under attack. There is nothing, you know, there is nothing like it. To be in prayer and just pull out the Word of God, and and you're facing some things, and the devil's trying to make you believe some things. You say, you know what, devil, you're a liar, because the Word says... "I, I I don't need to believe you. I don't have to listen to you. I have the Word of God. And you stay, then you start in, in, in the spirit realm, you start swinging. Whew. 
I don't have to take that, you know, and you're just, you're slaying, you're, you're just, you're killing it if you're getting into the Word of God and you're using it as an offensive weapon. But too many times, this is what we do. We go through stuff and we would rather pick up our phones and talk about it on Facebook. We'd rather call a friend, text, you know, get a lifeline, whatever. But all the while, the answers that we need are right here in this book. And if we just open the book and we'd start praying the book, there are some passages that are great to read. There are some passages and some scriptures in here that you need to start using offensively in spiritual warfare. Amen? I won't get into that because that's a whole other topic, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, the church shouldn't be anemic. The church should, we shouldn't sit back and allow the Word of God to be twisted and to be used for whatever, uh, you know, out in the... the religious, denominational world, we need to start using the Word of God when we pray, when you pray for your friends, when you pray for your family. Amen. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You can pray in God's will, God, whatever it takes to get them saved, because I know it's your will. All right, I'm going to move on, but I don't want to. Number six is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate's position denotes its significance. It was designed to cover the upper torso of the body. When positioned correctly, it covers up the vital organs of the heart, lungs, and lungs, which are the source and the sustenance of life. You can, you know, you could take a shot in the leg or you could take a shot in the arm and keep on going if you have to. But you, you can't take too many shots to the chest and, and keep on going. It's just not going to happen. And so without this critical piece of armor... An individual could be mortally wounded with little effort. Just as the breastplate of the high priest symbolized absolute truth or integrity, so does the breastplate of righteousness symbolize integrity for us. What does that mean? That means we must guard our very existence with integrity. If we don't cover our heart with integrity, then we can suffer mortal wounds. I've seen, people, I've seen people come to church for several years and then all of a sudden they just disappear and you wonder what happened. And I can tell you from personal experience and seeing a lot of these cases, a lot of times people were not protecting their heart with integrity. Our every thought, word, deed, and action must be governed with integrity. And then not only do we have to have integrity, we need to maintain integrity. As we've already stated, the word integrity speaks literally of being sound or complete and whole. The just man who walks in integrity is a man who strives to live in perfect harmony with righteousness. Perfect harmony. This righteousness is not that person's righteousness, it's God's righteousness. So a man, in order to walk in integrity, must walk according to the Word of God. And we're going to talk about this. We're, we're, we're going to close here in just a few minutes with this. But basically what it's saying is that the desires uh, of a man need to be submitted to the desires of God. Are your desires submitted to the desires of God? If, if you know, you're, you're going to struggle with your sinful nature and, and influence, but ultimately we've got to strive to walk in integrity. 
Um, it's worth noting Israel was a nation that God commanded to have integrity. God would not be pleased with uh, any people who were less than wholly committed to him. And Israel struggled with this. We find various times Israel would struggle with her identity. And, and you know, if she would, you know, I say she, but if the nation of Israel would, would start wandering, it, it would start drifting away from God because they started letting this in and letting that in. They started thinking the source of their help and their strength was, was idols or was uh, something different than the Almighty God. And so it's really an example to us that it's impossible to wholly serve God without integrity. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to throw this in here. Um, we might not like this. But I'm, I'm going I'm to say this. I'm going to move on. Anything that we allow to become more important than us getting closer to God, that has become our idol. I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's not one of those things that I can technically define. Uh, but I can just give you a, a general uh, thought here. For instance, if, you know, your, your position is or your thinking is, uh, I don't need to be in church. I don't need to be in prayer meeting. I'll kind of come when I want. Whatever that is that keeps you from being in church, from being at prayer meeting, from being in Bible study, whatever it is, those things, that is more important to you than getting closer to God. And so whatever it is, it, it might be a hobby that you have. It might be a job situation. And again, I don't want you to think that I'm being too hardcore here. I understand sometimes you have to work job situations uh, until God opens the door for, you know, you to not have to work uh, during that, that time at church. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if, if you like, basically, you don't even try. You, you just kind of like, well, you know, we, we have to, you know, we have, we have checker club every Thursday night. We just can't make it to church. Checker club is your idol. You know, I, I can never go to service in, in Louisville because uh, every Sunday we like to, you know, we like to barbecue with the family. Okay, I understand every once in a while. But every Sunday you, you miss another opportunity to be with the people of God, to see God do things because, because what? Your family's your idol. I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying... That is what we're talking about when we say living with integrity. We can make all the excuses that we want, but really when it comes right down to it, we have to live with integrity. We have to be who we say we are. So Christians are supposed to be Christ-like. I'm going to keep moving. When we allow our integrity to be compromised, we are distancing ourselves from the Lord. Integrity is so important. Scientists now say, and, and I don't know, maybe you've heard this, but they say that a series of slits, not a giant gash, is what sank the Titanic. Have you heard that? Anybody heard that? Okay, so this is, it's pretty interesting. You should uh, look it up and see what you can find. Uh, but what I came across was they're saying that this opulent 900-foot cruise ship that sank in 1912 on its first voyage from England to New York 1,500 people died in this, the, the worst maritime disaster of the time. 
Uh, the most widely held theory, we all know, right, that the, the ship hit an iceberg, which opened a huge gash in the side of the liner. But an international team of divers and scientists recently used sound waves to probe the wreckage. And it's buried in mud two and a half miles, uh, basically, under the water. And what they have discovered is that the damage was surprisingly small. Instead of this big, huge gash that they thought is what sank the Titanic, what they found was six relatively narrow slits across the six watertight holds of the Titanic. So maybe that iceberg was what did it in finally, but it was already in trouble. Small damage, invisible to most people, can sink not only a great ship, but it can sink a good reputation. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18 says, The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto a perfect day. Proverbs 4, 18. Our pathway as just men is to be a pathway seen as shining light to those around us. When people see us, it should be a shining light to them. It should be a breath of fresh air. They should be like, man, I wish I could always do business with these kind of people. That means we follow a higher standard than the standards of the world means that we value the things of God far above the things of the world. It, it, almost to the point where it, it's weird and it doesn't make sense to the world. When we enter into business transaction, it's not the philosophy of the world that should guide us. Rather, our business is to be conducted with integrity. We honor our word. We pay our bills. We honor our word, <laughs> we pay our bills, we could just stop right there, musicians come. We make honest evaluations, and we speak the truth in love. I, I can't tell you how many Christians, and I use those, that word lightly, and those air quotes heavily, I can't tell you how many Christians have gotten a bad name and have made a bad name for Christians because they're worse than some people in the world to deal with. I get it. We can't, you know, you're not, nobody's perfect, but we can operate with integrity. Our business is to be in, uh, conducted with integrity. Ananias and Sapphira are their prime examples of what happens when we lack integrity in our business dealings. I'm, I, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't want to die. No, it, it's, it's not that. Do you realize when, when you're not honest and you don't have integrity in your business dealings, what you're actually doing? You're actually killing your witness. Why would anybody want to know what you know about Jesus if you can't be honest and have integrity? If we live in the Spirit, we must walk in the Spirit. When we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we received a new life and a new nature. You know, some people say, well, that's how I've always done it. Well, not since you got the Holy Ghost. Now you're supposed to do it the right way. In order to maintain the new nature, we've got to walk in ways that feed and strengthen that nature. That means we live, walk, and act with integrity. If we're going to profess to be spirit-filled, we must be spirit-led. I could give you a whole lot of examples. I'm, not, I'm trying to stay focused uh, so we can be out at a good time, but... 
You know, it's tragic. So many people who profess to be spirit-filled do not deal uprightly with people. You know, if, if you're supposed to start work at 9.30 or let's say 9 o'clock, and you punch in, let's say you start at 9 o'clock, you punch in at 8.57, but you don't actually start working until 9.30, that's not, that's not operating with integrity. I worked with a guy one time, he, he was a Christian. We had that similar situation, have we? we were supposed to clock in, he'd clock in a couple minutes before the hour, and then he'd, he'd just walk around, meander around for about 45 minutes. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? We got stuff to do. He's like, I just don't feel like working yet. Like, well, then you shouldn't have clocked in. <laughs> oh, Pastor, that's not bad. He was on the clock. He was there. Yeah, but he wasn't working. Truthfully, the only way to grow in the Spirit is to let the Spirit lead and guide you, and as you do, you are strengthened in the Spirit by the choices you have made. It helps if you'll ask yourself on a regular basis, am I responding in a way that maintains my integrity before God, others, and myself? Because there are rewards for integrity. In Psalm 26, David gives us an insight to the rewards and blessing of living a life of integrity. When you study the life of David, now David wasn't the, a perfect character by any means, but he did walk in his integrity. He had, he would, when he made mistakes, he would come back to God. Um, you know, walking in integrity doesn't mean you're never going to make a mistake. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Notice as you study, David was only able to proclaim what he did because of his commitment to live this life of integrity. Without integrity... He couldn't have asked God for the things that he asked God for that we're going to talk about, nor could he have performed the actions that he, he did. So the first thing we notice in verse 1 is David willingly asked for the Lord to judge him. He asks for the Lord to judge him. <laughs> Can you imagine, right? Judge me, O Lord. I don't know about you, but there's, there's some days where I'm not, I'm not feeling that. Judge me. Just go ahead and judge me. Think about it. You know, what, what kind of integrity do you have to walk in to where you can be just walking along and be like, okay, just judge me, Lord. He can do this because he's walked in his integrity. When an individual lives a life of righteousness, there is no fear of having God judge them. It's the individual who lived deceitfully that fears the judgment of God. It's when we know we've done things. Well, oh man, I don't know. That was kind of really, that was really kind of shady. I probably shouldn't have done that. We're not gonna at that point. We're not gonna be. Oh yeah, go ahead, judge me, God. Mm -hmm. No, we're gonna be like, uh, maybe let's put judgment off for a couple days. Let me see if I can make things right here. Secondly, because David had walked in his integrity, he states that he can trust in the Lord and that a life of integrity will keep him from sliding. This literally means that he will not waver. Only a person who has integrity can stay the course and not allow circumstances to turn them aside. That's why some people quit. That's why some people give up. That's why some people leave. Because they don't have integrity. Thirdly, he's not afraid to ask God to examine his heart. Phew. I pray this prayer a lot. And it's, it's kind of a, 
It's, interesting. it's really an interesting thing. Because when you start praying, God, search me and know my heart. <laughs> Check my heart out, God. Guess what? He will. And things you forgot about that you thought were okay, woo, it just comes right up to the surface. And then you got to deal with it. What, what an awesome thing, though, to openly ask God to look deeply into the heart. It's when your integrity is compromised that you hesitate to allow God to examine your heart. Oh, not, not today, God. Let's put that off. Let's, let's just wait a little bit on that. Next, David states that the blessings he has found come with, they come with walking in integrity. So, number one, the loving kindness of the Lord is ever before him. Because he's walking in integrity, the loving kindness of the Lord is ever before him. Uh, number two, because of uh, his integrity, he walks in truth. You don't, you don't ever have to be worried about being caught in a lie if you always tell the truth. I remember growing up, you know, I used to try to get out of trouble by lying. Anybody ever, you know what I'm talking about? I did. I, I, and I remember getting into so much trouble one time, and it's like every lie just kept catching up to me. It was just like, and I tried to tell a lie to get out of that one, and tried to, you know, and it just, and finally my mom was so mad, she's like, why don't you just tell me the truth? You don't ever have to be afraid of what's going to happen to you if you'll just always tell the truth. Don't be shady. Number three, he does not sit with vain persons. He does not sit with vain persons because he's in integrity. He's not going to sit with vain people. Nor does he fellowship with those who are deceitful. Maybe you've heard this, but during his time as a rancher, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, one of his uh, one of his workers was, they lassoed a maverick steer, they lit a fire, and they prepared the branding irons. But the part of the range that they were on was actually, uh, was claimed by Gregor Lane, which was one of Roosevelt's neighbors. And according to the cattleman's rule, the steer therefore belonged to Lang, even though that they had, they had caught it. But as the cowboy was getting ready to apply the brand, Roosevelt said, wait, that should be, that should be Lang's brand. And the cowboy said, that, that's all right, boss. And Roosevelt said, but you're putting my brand on it. And he said, that's right. And so Roosevelt looked at him and he said, drop that iron and get back to the ranch and get out. I don't need you anymore. A man who will steal for me will steal from me. You have to have integrity. So number five, he hates those who do evil. There's got to come a place where you just don't want to associate with people that are doing the wrong thing. Number six, he does not spend time with the wicked. People say, well, you've got to spend time with the wicked if you want to save them. No, we're not talking about unsaved. We're talking about wicked. People who are looking to do wrong, they want you to do wrong with them. Number seven, he is pure and clean in the presence of the Lord. You don't ever have to be afraid because... You walk into the presence of the Lord, you've walked in integrity, you've had truth and honesty. You can be pure and clean in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says that he, he wants men to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That can only happen if you're walking in integrity. Number eight, he is thankful and proclaims the works of God. He is thankful and he proclaims the works of God. Number nine, he loves the house of God and being in his presence. He then petitions God to keep him from evil influences. 
Next, he declares that his intention is to continue walking in integrity. Notice in verse 1, he stated, I have walked. And now in verse 11, he says, I will walk. I have been walking in integrity, and I will walk in integrity. That's a mindset right there. It's not enough to have walked in integrity in your past. You must continue to walk in integrity. Well, I've lived, I, you know, I've lived 40 years of my life now. I've walked in integrity. Well, guess what? You can lose it in five minutes. In five minutes, you can destroy a reputation that took you years to build. And finally, he declares that his life is planted on solid ground. And because of that, he can wholeheartedly worship the Lord. Who else but David can so beautifully portray a life of integrity? This is the man that the Bible says was after the heart of God. It's one thing to read what David wrote in Psalm 26 about choosing a life of integrity, but it's something totally different to hear what God had to say about David's life. Look at what Psalm 78, 71, and 72 says. It says, From following the ewes great with the young, he brought... He brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. God-given talent and ability are to be commended, but to, to not have those coupled with integrity is defiling. David was a man that God equipped to lead the nation of Israel, but within his own heart, David had to determine that he would exercise the talent and the ability that God had given him with integrity. What a wonderful testimony that in his word, God declared David was both using skill and integrity. What does God say about our lives? Integrity is, is more than not being deceitful or slipshod. It means doing everything like Colossians 3.23 heartily as unto the Lord. Like I said about somebody going to work. You know, when you are going to work and you are working, you are not working for that company. You are working as unto the Lord. Everything that you say, everything that you do is, is as unto the Lord. We have our, our parking lot attendants, our ushers, our greeters, all of them. You're, you're not doing that for me. You're not even doing, and I love our guests, but you're not even doing that as much for our guests. You're doing that as unto the Lord. I want to have integrity. I want to live a life that is pleasing to God. And uh, in, in his book, uh, Lyrics, Oscar Hammerstein II points out one reason why a Christian, uh, Christians have always known a year or so ago, he says on the, the cover of the, the New York Herald Tribune Sunday magazine, he said, I saw a picture of the Statue of Liberty taken from a helicopter and it showed the top of the statue's head. And he said, I was amazed at the detail there because the sculptor had done a painstaking job with the lady's coiffure or uh, the, the, the hat and the, the, the head part of, if, you've, if you haven't seen it, you can Google it, you can look it up. But he, he said, you know, he must have been pretty sure and could have, you know, when he sculpted this, that, you know, there would... Nobody's ever going to be able to see. Maybe the seagulls will see up there, but nobody else is going to see up there. He wouldn't have known that man was going to create flying instruments and have helicopters and planes and all kinds of stuff. And so he was artist enough to finish off this part of the statue with as much care as he had devoted to her face and her arms and the torch and everything else that, that people could see as they sail up the bay. 
When you're creating a work of art or you're creating any kind of work, you've got to finish the job off perfectly. You've got to do it with integrity. You know, you never know when a helicopter or some instrument that hasn't been created yet is going to come along and find you out. That's why you should do everything, every relationship, every job, every consideration you should do with integrity. Amen? All right, so... Next week, we will be talking about, this is a really important one, especially for young, young people, young adults, uh, well, all of us, but especially young people and young adults. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Amen. You want to know who you're going to be in 10 years? I can tell you by who you're hanging out with and what you're reading. That's what's important. So we'll talk about that next week. Speaking of integrity... And uh, wanting to make sure that I'm being transparent and open with everybody and that there's uh, no doubts or questions. And I don't want you hearing this from somebody else. I want you to hear this from me. Um, my family is putting, we're putting our house up for sale. And um, I want you to know that because I don't want somebody coming and telling you, oh, pastor's leaving. He's, he's had enough. Uh, no, I am putting my house up for sale. Uh, we have an offer accepted on another house about five minutes from where I live right now. And uh, it's contingent upon the sale of our house. So we are already packing our stuff. And um, this is something that we've kind of been looking at for the last couple of years. Uh, right now, I have a lot to keep up with. And uh, moving to this house will give me less to keep up with. And this is, my wife says it's our forever home. I'm like, no, heaven is our forever home. But I know what she means. Uh, and, and so if we're here another 20, 25 years, which I don't think we will be, but if we are, uh, then we will have a place that we can live and it will work for now and work for then. Um, but I wanted you to know that so that when you see me post something or you see our, our house go up for sale or you drive past and you're like, Pastor's got a for sale sign in his yard, you'll know what's up. And um, so we're, we're not going anywhere. We're just trying to simplify our life a little bit to be able to do what God has for us to do. Um, not a whole lot's going to change for anybody here. Uh, just pray for our sanity, pray for my sanity. Uh, we've lived there for 14 years. Uh, my son, he doesn't even know what it's like to move. He's like trying to figure it all out. So it's, uh, it's been fun and interesting so far. But there, there you go. Now you know. So uh, when somebody says, did you know pastor's moving? Be like, yeah, he's going to Alaska, right? And no, I'm just kidding. Don't, <laughs> don't mess with them too much. Somebody asked me the other day, are you going to Costa Rica? Are you, are you going to be a missionary in Costa Rica? I said, no, I'm I'm, I'm not that I know of, uh, maybe short-term uh, times, but uh, no. So anyways, now you know. All right, let's all stand. This Sunday is our She's for Christ offering Sunday. We will be receiving our She's for Christ offering. She's for Christ helps uh, put missionary vehicles on the field, and uh, so this is an important, important Sunday for us, and uh, I know that most of you have already given or raised some money, or you will be giving or raising some money to help with Sheets for Christ. We want to uh, really do our best this Sunday and uh, give to help our missionaries be able to, to drive where they need to go. We'll be showing you some vehicles and some other things. We'll have some interesting stuff for you to share. All right, so tonight we have some music and praise practice. Afterwards, we're going to be working uh, on training some sound and visual uh, people, so uh, you're welcome to stay around if you want, uh, but that's what's going to go on tonight. And we will see everybody on Sunday. Food and Friends in Louisville is on Sunday after the service. 
Uh, so you'll definitely want to make sure that if, you know, you're coming, you know, what's, you know what you're bringing. We're going to have a good time, and uh, we're excited about that. All right, anything else that I've missed before we close? No? Okay. All right. Thank you, Jesus, for our time together tonight. Thank you for each and every one that's here. We pray, God, that you'd help us to live lives of integrity. Help us, God, to be honest in all of our dealings and to put you first. And, God, to keep you uh, and your word as the principle for our lives. And, God, we will give you the glory for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tithes and offerings you can leave as you go out tonight. The kiosk is also ready for you. And uh, if you need help.